that nothing was the same album came out i kept playing that over and over because i'm like drake always says it's a lot of emotions forgotten a year we see who, who's gonna be around a decade from now i remember jeff ireland being on the phone he says hey we're taking a chance on you and he says welcome to the dolphins and so my mindset when he said that was Fuck you so i had a lot of self-doubt even when I, I mean when i walked up there and told them to cut me Hey everyone, welcome to that large podcast where we dissect the paths of the 1%. Professional does not mean perfect. In this episode, we speak with Jamar Taylor, a.k.a. JT. JT is a nine-year NFL vet, played college football at Boise State, originally from America's finest city, the 619 San Diego, California. A little bit biased there, I'm going to be honest. We covered a lot in this conversation, so hopefully you pick up some nuggets. We talked about being overlooked early on in his career, perceived failures, injury, all the mentors that came into his life. We cover a lot, and it was such an honor to talk to JT. So please enjoy our conversation with JT. Two-minute drill. Okay. Snapshot of your journey up until this point. Ready? Like, you want me to give the rundown of, like, how it happened? Like, everything? Everything in two minutes. Two minutes. Two okay. minutes. Hell yeah. Sid got it done in like one... Like, from the beginning? Like, beginning, beginning? Like, earliest memory. Oh, shoot. Okay. Two minutes. Here we go. Ready? When it started to ready, click. Ready, 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 ready. So go. Um, okay, so, you know, played football. I'm from, originally from Southeast San Diego, yeah. um, California, and then um, played football at the age of five. Um, ended up going to Helix High School. Um, got a scholarship offer to Boise State, where I played for five years. Went second round to the Miami Dolphins. Um, some stuff went down there. Played really well. My third and fourth year asked to be traded my fifth year, or going into my fourth year. Got traded to the Cleveland Browns. Was playing really, really well there. Things start going um, in the opposite direction as far as our team. They ended up trading me to the Cardinals. Got here, didn't like it, um, and actually asked to be cut. So I got cut. Uh, they, they they gave me my wishes um, and uh, ended up playing for Seattle. Ended up playing for the Niners. Was headed to sign a three-year, twenty million dollar deal. So it'd be my third deal, and we're playing around, playing pretty good. Ended up getting hurt right before halftime. Trained for two years to try to get back. Had some workouts last year, um, and been investing in real estate for the last what nine years, eight or nine years. Decided to get my license. Um, me and my wife started fixing flip. That kind of had led me to meet my partner. Got into luxury development, and so you know now I am in Arizona. I'm a luxury developer. Um, and real estate agent, you know, and most importantly, a husband and a father. So, fucking amazing. What was it, dude? It went black. Oh, sorry. It's a fancy watch. Oh, one thirty-three. Damn, dude. Yeah, we you're need, so efficient. <laughs> we need to dissect some of that. Okay, let's let's. Uh... How about with that extra twenty-seven seconds, if my math is right? How did? your transition into real estate more consistently like that, how did being an athlete help you in that sense? 
um, you know, I've always just tried to be really good at plan A. And I felt like if I focus on that, eventually something from plan B will kind of start sparking up. And, you know, when I was hurt, I just said, hey, you know, kind of was messing with it a little bit. And I said, I just need to go full steam ahead. The same energy I give football, I have to give real estate if I want to be my best and just start switching gears. You know, when you got a wife and kids, you don't really have time to think about and kind of soak in your sorrows of what's next. You got to kind of hit the ground running. Let's uh, take a step back into childhood. Yep. And at what point did you realize, like, I'm pretty good. Like, I, I, could, I could do this. It could be anything. Um, that's, that's a good question. Cause I actually explained this to my nonprofit kids. Um, you know, cause they said they hate when people say like, I knew I was the one and I would say a little bit in high school, but if I had to go early on, I would say probably at like maybe like 12 or 13, just because I grew up with four older cousins and we used to always play football in the street, basketball, ride dirt bikes, baseball. I mean, we did everything. And my cousin Bobby was probably the overall best athlete. And then my cousin DeAndre probably had, quote unquote, probably the best moves I've seen as far as like crossovers and things like that. And my cousin Darnell was the fastest. And so I just started to beat everybody at everything, right? My cousin Michael was really good at basketball too. My uncle Murphy, rest in peace, he was a basketball coach. So my cousin Michael came from a basketball background. Um, and so I started to beat everybody at everything. I was faster. We played football. I was out there like mossing everybody. Um, we played basketball. I was out there scoring on everybody. And so at that point, I kind of knew like, okay, you know, and I just always had that drive. Like I was the one kid who walked around with the ball in my hands at all times, you know? So when I like really think about my childhood and I see pictures, I'm like, I knew from those moments that I wanted to go to the NFL and it was either the NFL or NBA. And I wasn't going to let anything stop me. And then when I got in high school, my first year, I had like eight interceptions. And I was like, okay, yeah, it's game. So I would say as early as like 12. But then I for sure knew once my freshman year of high school came up after that first year, I was just killing it. And I got invited to varsity. I'm like, oh, yeah, it's, it's time. How did you stay level-headed after that point? Like the first year of playing football, high school football, how did you stay like not – know feeding into the ego yeah I would say my dad always used to say you haven't made it yet right same thing I preach to my guys like again you know it's a little bit of staying the same way all the time and my dad used to always ask me like did you make All-American right did you make ESPN ESPN you know top 100 right did you make rivals blah 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 blah. and so when he saw I say that to me I used to be like no Right, no, and he wasn't saying it to like kick me down, but he was like, you still haven't done enough, right? The job's not done, right? And so he kind of stayed with that Kobe quote, just job's not finished yet, and you need to stay on your grind, you need to stay after it. And so that's what kind of kept me just locked in. And I had a mentor named Trey Young who went to Montana, um, who's like a big brother to me. I mean, he is my big brother, right? And I give him a lot of credit too, because training with him, you, he always just gave me the little things to fix your back pedal's too tight or hey you need to relax here or why you make the interception here so it just always fed me to i just want to get better right my coaches always say it's never as good as you think it's never as bad as you think so when you think you did really really good because you killed a guy who you're supposed to kill like okay good job but what about when you go against like a real guy 
<clears throat> you mentioned growing up with your cousins, South, Southeast San Diego. Mm-hmm. How did that help shape who you are and, and what you've been able to accomplish? Um, everything. Everything just because it was so competitive, right? Like, my, like again, my cousin Bobby and Darnell were the oldest, me and DeAndre. Bobby, Darnell, and Michael were the oldest. Me and DeAndre were the youngest. We're the same age. And so from the day we woke up on Saturdays at my grandma's house, it was game on. Like, if we didn't finish a football game, we were going to finish that next day, right, because street lights came on, so we had to get in the house. And it was nonstop summers just going at it. You couldn't, you couldn't be terrible because then how are people going to look at our family? It was big back then, right? Like, it was – I had my friend Aaron Simpson, like, him and his family, and then, like, my friend Anthony Wright and, like, their family. Like, everybody else who played for our Pop Warner team had cousins or brothers on their team, and it was like our family was not going to be the one that was going to be frowned upon. So it just – it created a ton of um, competitiveness. But then at the same time, on the other side, it, it helped me because I knew I didn't want to be a product of my environment. So – for anybody who knows Southeast San Diego, it's like any other inner inner city where you got gang banging. You either gang bang or you play sports. And so um, our block, our, our neighborhood, our family was like that. So it was for me, it just helped me realize like, okay, I don't want that for myself, right? I, I, I think I'm, I'm way bigger than that. Um, I don't have to be like that. You know, I can't make it out by playing football or just being a smart kid. And, you know, so it helped me in more than one way. It's just not on the field, but off. Going back to, you know, his old high school, Helix, um, I may be fast forwarding here, but what you do for that high school and those kids at that high school is impressive. I mean, I was was honored to have been invited to help you uh, a few summers ago when you you do a free camp, you do a youth, a younger group and an older group. You know, the, the high school age kids, you had everybody in the, the film room to start before anything on the field. You had a panel of, I believe it was five of your teammates, and you had a moderator, and you had questions, and you know, two, three, or four of your teammates would answer and give their perspective on it. So it gave not only the kids, but the parents in the room too, because if the, the parents have to be there in my opinion. Yeah. High school athletes, they're kind of tunnel visioned on two or three things. But if the parents are there to hear it and also reinforce it later on, it's a, it's a, it's a huge benefit. So after that, the kids went out onto the field, started doing the field stuff. Parents stayed in the room. You did an SAT prep with the parents. They all got a free SAT prep book. So it's the bigger picture of it, right, is, yes, we want to be athletes. But at the end of the day, unless you're an outlier athlete, you're the best of the best. You said getting you mossed dudes. Randy Moss is an outlier. Yeah. Unless you're a good person on top of that, you get sifted out, and then what do you have to fall back on, right? Mm-hmm. So, and that, that Helix thing, that's just a small part of what the big picture of what you do with all the other mentoring you do with the kids and stuff like that. But I think it's, it's, uh, it's very impressive what you do, and I, you're going to keep doing good things with those kids. And then just a funny side story, you had the smoothie truck mm-hmm. out there, which those were delicious, by the way, and it was called... <laughs> girls in the truck yeah so i went up there and i ordered a few smoothies the the uh jaku guys were there sponsor um anyway jaku guys were there and i got this john wells sometimes i just you know i say whatever comes to mind there's no governor on it yeah 
I said, thanks, ladies, have a good day. And then I'd left it with girls in the truck, Girl, girls in the truck. <laughs> ladies in the truck looked at each other, like, they looked back at me like, what the fuck? <laughs> and smiled, and I walked off. <laughs> Little side story. The look on the face, though, was priceless. They ended up laughing. Rewinding back just a tiny bit, uh, you mentioned not being a product yep. of your environment from a negative aspect of it. I mean, uh, you know, we grew up in the same area, so I know what, what that's like. And my best friend at the time kind of helped me shape. Like, we didn't, I learned so much more from him and what, like, he was doing. Like, I tried to do what he was doing, my friend Matt. <clears throat> Is there anybody that was in your life at the time that kind of helped you, like, say, like, JT, don't hang out with those guys. JT, you know, let's. I do this, JT. You don't do this. You have you have a future. Is there anybody that helped you, or specifically a couple of people maybe that helped you? I mean, I think I was lucky because as it started to form out, I even had like my co my cousins who I talk about. It was them, right? Like, hey, you don't need to be over here, right? Like, go back. You know, like come say hi, but you don't need to be over here long, right? Come to family events, but go do your thing. But also my two best friends. Right now, um, Darren Wilburn and Chris Peterson, we've been friends for, shoot, over 15 years now. And when we all linked up, I actually met Chris through one of my other best friends, Ray Sean. They were good friends. And we ended up playing on the same football team freshman year. And it kind of just took off. And Chris was, he, you know, he grew up in La Mesa um, in California, and he had good grades. And he's, I mean, he's a traumatic nurse right now, right, and, or a cardiac nurse. So he's sharp really, really sharp, and I just seen how that dude studied, how how he was really, really good um, inside the classroom. Theron was a little bit of a knucklehead, but he was like the younger version of us, and we knew like we had to leave a good mark for him, but all of us, when you look at our lives now, Coach Pete, you saw I say, you are who you roll with, and I look at my friends, and I'm like, I got some good friends. I got some really good friends. Theron is a you know, he at one point was the youngest athletic director in the Bay Area. Now he's at St. Francis in the Bay. He'll probably be an NFL agent here soon. And Chris, like I said, is a cardiac nurse, and then you have me. So when I look at, you know, the big three, and we have other friends in that group that are doing well, but when I look at the, the three main guys, um, I'm, I'm like, you know, we did pretty good. So I would say those guys are guys that kind of, just helped me stay focused. They were also the guys, like when I made it to the NFL, they made sure I stayed humble, right? They made sure I never got felt too big of myself, thought I, that I arrived. They always treated me the same. They didn't treat me different because I had money. Um, it was just, uh, it's just always been a growth between us uh, all wanting to be like our best version of ourselves. And so I would say them and my cousins um, and then my parents, you know, my parents, when my cousin Darnell got killed, my mom and my dad was like, hey, we just, we got to figure this out. And so that's why I ended up going to Helix. I think Lincoln was torn down, but my parents did a really, really good job to make sure like, okay, we just lost a nephew. What are we going to do with our kids? And so shout out to my parents, because if it wasn't for them allowing me to go to Helix, and if I had to go to a Morris or some other school, I don't know how it would have turned out for me. <clears throat> you know, I, we've, we've talked about your cousin mm -hmm. passing away. Um, how did that affect you? I mean, really, it was tough. You know, like, I could feel it. Uh, but it was tough because, 
I'll, it's only me and my brother. And so my cousins are my brothers. Yeah. Like we're really close. Um, I talked to my cousin Dre last night for like an hour, right? We're like really, really close. And so um, when that happened, the reason why it was, I mean, it was tough because my grandma, he lived with my grandma. So every time I was at my grandma's house, it was me and him. And my little brother's five years younger than me. So it was me and Darnell every step of the way. And my cousin Michael lived across the street. And so um, when he passed, it hit me it hit me hard because we were supposed to hang out actually that weekend and I was hanging out with my girlfriend. And then, so, you know, they're all hanging out at my grandma's house, but if I was there, it could have been me cause that's where I was supposed to be. Right. And so, um, it affected me that way, but then also it just, it turned, it, it literally turned it on for me. If I had to trace back anything where I was like, okay, I gotta get serious. It was that, it was that day. Cause at that point it was like no point of return. Like, okay, I have to, I have to make this work. And, you know, my mom, my dad, you know, my mom worked two or three jobs. My dad did his thing. And, you know, we never wanted for anything, I would say, but it was for me. I was like, I have to make it, you know, for my family at this point. So, shoot, I locked in. I was going into my sophomore year. I remember I didn't even want to play football no more at first. You know, I wanted to go find the killer and be a part of that. You know, it's almost like boys in the hood when, got killed and everybody go get in the car and it's like all right we're gonna go find them mm-hmm. like that was me and my cousins like all right who did it right Southeast san diego is small everybody knows everybody like if you know somebody's family if you get that last name you could call you could call like an older guy and like hey you know do you know and it's like yeah i know him you know i grew up with his mom or dad so it almost went there and then i remember my friends actually talking to me cp and theron and it was like okay and trey right trey young and so I was like, no, like, this just, you know, that's not even me. Like, we're, I'm, I know I'm upset. I know I'm emotional. But really, what would he want? He would want me to freaking go balls to the wall playing sports and doing good in school. And so, yeah, I turned it on then. And then that's when I got with Trey and I was working out at 5 a.m. and put that thing in overdrive. So, you know, I would say it affected me from a, from a standpoint because I think it gave me the little extra boost that I needed. I just wish it didn't have to come, you know, with his life you know, being taken. I can almost, having met Theron, I can almost see him as Lawrence Fishburne. <laughs> you know? <laughs> like he, but, and, and I'm not making a joke of it, but yeah. like he's, he's a mature professional. Yeah. You know, who you said, you know, the youngest athletic director in the Bay. Like that's impressive, right? He's, he's got that to him. So I can see him as that Lawrence Fishburne. Like, yeah. Are you a tough guy now? Yeah. Right. But talking some sense into you and understanding you know, yeah, you want to get to the league. The point isn't to get to the league, mm-hmm. right? The point is to get to the league, stay in the league, have a long, productive uh, career. Yeah, That's going to allow you to make an impact on the field and carry it over, have a good and big impact off the field, right? Yeah. And it's you've stuck to your plan, mm-hmm. right? So yeah. keep going. Yeah. yeah. Thank you for sharing that. That's, yeah. Uh, you know, the, the whole intention is if, if there's there's someone that you can inspire, a younger athlete that feels this, right, or, or grew up in Southeast San Diego, grew up wherever, that's not great, experience a loss like you have and how they're able to overcome this, right, like you have and use it to fuel them. That's ultimately what we want out of this. Yeah. You know? So thank you. As, yeah, as, no as vulnerable as it is. Um. Take us back to 
being drafted in the second? What was the um, immediate emotion? <laughs> uh, it's, it's funny because when I say my emotion, I feel like it, it was very ungrateful. But it was, you have to go before that. So <laughs> quick rundown, you know, you go on, you go on visits with teams. And they always say the team that you don't think is going to draft you ends up drafting you. And most of the time it's not a team that you visit. And so I went to Baltimore, I went to Houston, I went to Miami. And I remember I was so tired because, like, I was coming from Boise. So I was, like, literally, I was on a plane every couple of days. And I go to Miami, and I meet Kevin Coyle, the defensive coordinator. And he says, what if you cover Andre Johnson? And I said, he puts on his pants like I do. Not Superman. And he said, huh, his pants are bigger. <laughs> and I remember it's kind of like, what, what you know, with one thing that rubbed you the wrong way. Some person that just overhypes people and doesn't believe, and that let me know like he didn't believe in his coaching, mm. right? Like, it's not me. I felt like I was a really good athlete. I'm like, it's you. You don't believe in your guys, right? You looked at it, they just they just traded Vontae Davis, who was a really good corner. They had Sean Smith, who a young Sean Smith, even when he played for – I think it was Oakland or was it KC, one of those seniors who played really well, big guy. And so for me, I'm like, you just don't believe in what you do. So when I left, I was like, Dad, I called my dad. In my age, I'm like, I do not want to go to Miami. I don't want to go to Miami. It's funny because in college, I used to sing this Lil Wayne song, and it says, gangsters don't die, they get chubby, and they move to Miami. And me and my friend Gerald Gavins <laughs> used to always sing this song because he was, he was from South Miami. And I used to be like, man, I'm going to go down there one day. I'm going to go down there. And I called my agent. I'm like, I don't want to go here. I don't fit in with the coaching staff. I met Joe Philbin. Philbin didn't like him. Like, that dude was, like, talking to freaking drywall. And I was like, I just don't want to do it. I, I, and I can say this now because – We'll, cut, we'll cut that out. No, you can keep it because I'm very – Never mind. We'll keep it. Yeah, I'm very com- – I mean, I'm very comfortable. And they know this. Like, if I seen that guy right now, I probably wouldn't talk to him. Mm-hmm. Just – just, and it's, it's no ego. It's no pride. It's just – just not a good guy. And um, I told my dad that. So, anywho, um, during that draft process, though, they found out I had a kidney deficiency called FSGS. And I don't know the long term to it, but I had too much protein and creatinine in my in my, in my my urine. And it came because I had a hernia and I was popping ibuprofen so much that it affected my kidneys. Damn. And so I didn't know this. So I actually thought I was going to go first round because that's what everybody had me projected. Like I just snuck up, you know, kid out of Boise, play really good, went to the senior bowl, played good, um, ended up getting sick, had to leave there, but then had a really good combine, you know, ran a 4-3. So what a hernia like. And so it was like, for me, it was like, okay. But then everybody that called day one was like, oh, we worried about your kidneys. Hey, we worried about your kidneys. Hey, and then so, after day one of being like, and I didn't throw a party. I wasn't like the guy to go, like, I didn't want to go to the to the draft or anything. I was like, no, I'll just stay home, a couple people. But I was irritated from day one of everybody giving my kidneys an excuse. And then when Miami finally came up, I was still irritated. So when they called, it was like, dude, I remember Jeff Ireland being on the phone. He says, hey, we're taking a chance on you. And he says, welcome to the Dolphins. And so my mindset when he said that was, you like you say i'm taking a chance on y'all right like that's how i felt um and not to say that i'm like 
you know, above everybody else or like I felt entitled, but it's like, okay, first impression is everything. And what I got from your coordinator, your head coach, and then now you as the GM, it just wasn't what I thought it was going to be. And so I wasn't really excited. Uh, I was, I mean, I was excited. I was happy. I was very grateful, but it was more or less of my instant mindset being JT, right? And I hate talking third person, but it was like trying to get to work. Because at this point, I felt like you guys are already doubting me three times. So now I got to prove to you bastards why I'm a second-round pick, why this little guy out of Boise, we didn't go to the Nash, national championship or, you know, uh, big bowl game that year. I'm like, I got to prove to you guys why I'm worthy of this pick. So my mind went there. You know, they didn't even they didn't even fly us out. Like, the, usually they fly your draft picks out, go take pictures, all of that stuff. They didn't fly us out at all. They flew Deion Jordan out. And that was it. So – my draft experience wasn't like a lot of people's who got drafted my year. Um, and that just always put like a chip on my shoulder. I'm like, I never got that experience. Like you guys ripped that from us. Um, you guys didn't believe in me, right? So it was literally go to work, go to work. And whoever was drafted before me, I got to, you know, Drake always says, it's uh, what would he say? He says a lot of emotions forgotten a year. And then as he goes on in that song, he was like, we see who, who's going to be around a decade from now. And so like, when that Nothing Was The Same album came out, I kept playing that over and over because I'm like, and it's not a ton of guys. I can't look and be like, oh, a ton of guys got drafted in front of me, right? But it was more or less like the ones that did, I got to outplay you. and I got to be here forever because Miami, for whatever reason, either thought you guys are better and they didn't want us or they just, you know, it was just a, a shit show, which it, it was a little bit of both, I think. I think the – Maybe the best thing that happened in your career outside of family, cousins, mentors is them saying, we're taking a chance on you. Yeah. I mean, that just, when you said that, that floored me. But that's something that, that does, you don't, you, you can remember exact, the exact voice inflection yeah. and everything of it, your initial reaction to it. I think that's, you know, with everything else you said, the chip on your shoulder, that was probably huge in yeah. your development and your, consistency and work ethic and you know fuck it I'll do it myself yeah I mean it was literally you know I mean and I already had a chip you go to Boise State if I went to Alabama they took freaking the Jets took D Milliner he do lasted like two years so it was like and then we had DJ Hayden play for the Raiders and he was terrible so it was like okay you guys are taking all these guys you guys got guys like me Darius Slay Logan Ryan in the second round I'm like I think we were overall better and all those guys, like Logan still plays. Darius Slay is, you know, one of the top corners, if not the best corner in my opinion. Even when we came out, I was like, this guy's freaking – I got a ton of respect for him. And it was, you know, already coming from a small school, already being doubted in that regard, and then having coaches doubt you. It was like, okay, the chip just doesn't go anywhere, you know. And so it just picked up, and we just – we were rolling from there you know, trying to prove, and then I end up getting hurt, too. I had my hernia, so I had to deal with that and going through all those emotions, which is a whole different story. But it was literally like, you know, my, my agent used to always say, fuck them. And now I literally had that mindset. I'm going to listen to you. I'm going to try to take your coaching. But at the end of the day, fucking, I want you guys to go have a hard decision every day in this building of the guys you got versus guys you, you know, me, you just brought in. Quickly, thirty seconds. The the hernia, the injury thing. The the mental part of dealing with an injury is more 
difficult, I, b I believe, than the, the physical part, because mm -hmm. athletes do the physical part. What small piece of advice would you give to young athletes that might be dealing with an injury or if they end up having an injury that will help them cope with that mentally? I would say just because I didn't deal with it good back then, the first year, you know, because it was my first big one. Um, but I would say just enjoy the little wins. We talked about it a lot, all of us, when I was when I heard my ACL. is just enjoy the little wins, right, like and getting better because eventually – you have enough little wins, you stack up the, those bricks, that wall, you'll be right back where you were. Um, but you got to stay intentional. You got to you gotta be committed, right? Some days are going to be tough, but power through it. Yeah, getting a win isn't just a win. A win is leading to the next win. Yep. Get it, grab it, hold on to it, take it into the next. The hardest thing is to get the first one. Well, just like you said, right, your plan A, if you focus hard enough on your plan A, a plan B will present itself. In that case, you focus on the goal, you get the goal, that – that leads you to the next goal. Yep. If you don't mind, if we could put a little bit more of a microscope on, you said it, FSG is the? FSGS, I think. FSGS? Yeah. And you said it, it was a overconsumption of ibuprofen? Yep. Like, how, how much are we? <laughs> I, I think I was doing like, shoot, four to six pills probably a day. Mm. Just because my hernia, it kept popping in and out. And I was like, I go to boy like coming out of Boise, I have to I have to perform, like I have to go to this combine and I have to run, because if I don't, they're not gonna take me right. Like we've just seen it with Skinner right from Boise, he from mm -hmm. San Diego, safety, really really good player, probably should have been second or third round, tears his shoulder, I think his labrum, drops down to like fifth or sixth round. So when you go to a smaller school, I was like I have to push through this. And even my friend Jarrell Gavins, who played in the CFL, he probably should have went. But I remember he had he messed up his ACL, tore his ACL and tore his hamstring off the bone. And he pulled his hamstring and trained it right before pro day. Even him, he was like, I got to get through this. And he didn't run fast because he had a torn hamstring. But, like, for guys who come from smaller schools, I think in our mind it's like this is our one shot. If we went to an SC or UCLA or Cal or UW, they get more shots than we do. Power 5 school. Um, but we don't necessarily get the shots that they do. So, yeah, I was taking like five or six a day just to push through it. And with – if you could go back and do that process over again instead of, you know, popping that many ibuprofen, what what steps would you have taken to address the situation better? It's hard um, because – I feel like doing that led me to at least go to the combine and run what I ran. Mm -hmm. um, because I had a guy, San Diego State guy, when I was in high school, get mad that I didn't want to go to San Diego State and told basically a lot of coaches I was slow. So I remember even remember that going to Boise, and I ran like a 4'4", four, 4'5", four, four, and thinking like, okay, this coach just said I was slow. I leave Boise, I ran a 4'3", and I'm like, you know, who was this guy? And so – it's hard to say would I change it because I felt like, again, being from that small school, I had to. But, you know, it's taking care of itself now. Like, right. you know, I get checked all the time. Hopefully in the long term, I think once I get, like, upper age, we can kind of start figuring out if it's really going to affect me. But, like, I just got my results back the other day. I go to the doctor every six months, and they're like, it's actually doing really, really well now. But I think also I'm not going out there and freaking dying for three hours. You know, so my body's able to 
recover. You guys know I drink a crazy ton of water and electrolytes per day, eat healthy and all of that stuff. So um, I don't think I would because I don't know if I would have had the chance, you know, and I don't like living in the, in the past too much. You know, we just move forward. With, let's say there's a kind of like a young athlete there with no, no guidance of, of like kind of the same situation, yep. right? What advice would you give them if they don't have like a resource to reach out to and they're trying to deal with the situation like an injury on their own and maybe they're resorting into like, I need to have five ibuprofen just to function. Yeah. What would you suggest to them? I would say, I would say don't do it. I would say any anti-inflammatories, really. That's what people don't, they don't tell you. If you take too much of anything, it ends up being a bad thing. It could be alcohol, it could be weed, it could be pills, it could be whatever. And so when you get into anti-inflammatories or even Tylenol, Tylenol happens to mess up like your stomach, right? They don't tell you that. They just say, oh, take this. It helps with headaches or helps with pain. It's a pain reliever, so that's what you think. Um, Anti-inflammatories helps getting inflammation out, but they don't tell you, like, you should take the minimum doses. You shouldn't take them continuously. If you have a problem, you should probably go see a doctor. And so I would tell any young athlete, um, if you have an injury, just go get it checked out. If you can, if you can't, recover. We got something called YouTube University. Self-diagnose yourself. (laughs) Right, Do whatever you can to not take the the five or six ibuprofen to get through, like as bad as you want it. Um, life is way more important than football. So, you know, you having a healthy life outside of sport is going to, you know, outlive your time on the gridiron or on the baseball field or on the court. So, um, you know, do your homework, but don't don't kill yourself with trying to produce. What are you currently learning about yourself? That... I already knew that, but I th- I would think would say like I'm I'm just way more than an athlete I guess and I know it's a little cliche but um, just getting into the business world I think I'm you know a lot of people when they see me and they know my background they're like oh he's a, he's just this but like I do a ton of homework I read a ton I love educating myself and so I just starting to realize in the last year year and a half that is just so much more to me than just the football player, right? That was just something I was doing, not who I was. And so, you know, now being into development and all that stuff, I'm like, I look back in the last year with some of the stuff we've dealt with, I'm like, I can tell you how to build a house from top to bottom, right? I can tell you how to project manage. I can tell you numbers. I'm really good with my numbers. Um, I can lead, you know, which I already knew I was a leader, but I can really lead um, to success, you know, with a good success rate, Um, you know, and, I know how to, I'm learning how to make everything go vertical, right? Where you could put a team in it together that you can trust in any business and be successful. So um, that's the biggest thing I'm probably learning right now. JT kind of made me feel he would, when he was doing rehab, he'd be over on the table getting treatment. He'd have his MacBook open. He'd be reading through, <laughs> reading stuff while he's getting treated. And it's almost like when you listen to like a, jo- a Jocko podcast or a Goggins podcast or something like that. You enjoy it, but at the same time, you're like, man, I'm not doing enough with my life. What am I doing? I got to do more. Look at JT over here. He's doing this. It's motivational, right? <laughs> like, it pushed me to want to be better, right? Not just as a strength coach, but like outside of it too, right? Because one of the first things you communicate anytime I meet, I see you again is family, right? And I think that's been a huge theme throughout this so far is family 
and team, right? You just said build that team around you. No matter what you do, you never stop trying to build a team around you. And uh, whether it's a family team, business team, sports team, everybody knows their role. The teams that win, everybody embraces their role. They do it. Sacrifice for the greater good, right? I wasn't a power hitter. I was. I had back control, so I might have been that spider that was putting a bunt down or hitting behind a runner, hit and run, whatever it was. But that was my role. Yeah. We embrace our roles. Everybody embraces their roles. They trust the people around them. Good things happen. Yeah. Business, sports, whatever it is. But I learned that. I mean, even from you guys, you guys don't even know. But like, when I see you guys from up here, and like you're on your computer, or you're trying to get the day started, or you're working on something else because. You know, you got life outside of this too as well, right? Like Darren and I just had a conversation like about that, like him being an AD. And everybody's like, How, how's your summer going? He's like, it's just a season. Like for him, he's like, I'm plotting and planning for the future. You know, I'm going to make sure my fall is together before my fall gets here. And I, I see you guys do that and I've seen him do that. And so same thing with me, right? So when you guys have seen me on a computer or whatever, it's like just plotting and planning for, you know, not going to say my next move, but, but just putting it all together. Right, whether it's getting thoughts out or talking to clients, like I'm not trying to be. I think I was watching the podcast with the uh, the rock, the rock on the pivot, mm-hmm. and they're like, "What are you great at?" He's like, "I'm not really great at anything. I'm really good at a lot of things." And that's kind of how I feel. Like, you know, I wouldn't say I'm like really great, but what I really dig into, I'm really, really good at. You know, and that's, you know, that's leading people, leading my family as a husband, father. Um, trying to lead the team, you know, in real estate stuff, and then trying to lead kids to make sure, you know, they know um, or they have somebody to go to in their future, if I had to narrow it down. It's all the little things, right? It's the the accumulated product of what all those, going back to it again, all the little victories, enjoying the little victories, all those little things add up to the big picture of it, right? So you can't get to that life goal your annual goal whatever it is without having the quarterly goals the weekly goals the daily goals we need those small daily checklists we need to we need that for not just those small victories but the confidence in it right and you can see it accumulate over time and then all of a sudden at the end of the year at the uh, end of the four years for an olympian whatever it might be you see that you, you, you can look back at all that accumulated work and now that's where trust that comes into play you can trust and go into whatever it is you're going into look i've done this now yeah i have nothing else to do but attack what's right here in front of me now yeah and then go yeah no it's funny you even said that i know before we move on to the next question but i do i know i do that i know i know me we talked about it like i think we talked about it too chip where like i do yearly goals on like my mirror and i gotta read those every day and then in my calendar i have monthly and i have uh weekly and daily Right. And I don't like to get into like checking boxes because I like to be really intentional on what I do. But I do like striving after my goals and reminders of what I'm trying to do for the week or the day or the month. So you can look back on that month and feel really, really good about it. You know, so, yeah, I agree with you. So that kind of leads us into kind of what I want to talk about. What we want to talk about next is. What routines and habits did you pick up late in your career that you wish you would have picked up earlier? From a from an athletic standpoint, football. Um, I'm trying to think. 
man, I felt like I, I just had some good guys around me where yeah. I felt like my schedule was pretty, pretty tight for the most part. I think, I think the biggest thing is when you end up being a father or a parent, um, a mother, figuring out that schedule. So I would say, um, because I was always the guy to get in early, take care of my body, watch film, you know, when dudes are eating lunch, I'll watch more film or go, or go roll out and get ready for practice or after practice and dudes left, Cortland Finnegan taught me, you know, you stay after and you watch different type of cut-ups. But I can also trace that back to Boise because Brandon Thompson and Kyle Wilson taught me that too. You know, um, I think Cortland gave me like a refresher and how to go about my day. Like Monday was a date day for me and my wife or when we had our daughter. Friday was a date night, you know, and then Sunday after the game, if we played at home, we had a one o'clock then. They got all of Sunday as well. Um, and I would watch film once they went to sleep, you know, or they wouldn't get all of Sunday, but they'll get from, you know, five to nine or whatever, because they'll be worn out from the game too. So I think the biggest thing is like when you, when you have kids um, or a spouse, a wife, whatever, whatever, you know, you have, you have to just figure out how to fit them in your schedule. Um, but I definitely took the Kobe approach, which my wife understood. Like I was like, I was going to grind in and grind and grind and grind. And that was going to try to, you know, put y'all in. Um, but I did make a conscious decision to say like certain days or certain hours were for them. And just, so I guess to answer your question, time blocking, mm -hmm. right? That's the biggest thing. Got to learn how to time block. Um, if an athlete can learn that right now, I think that'd be best. Cause when I didn't have a spouse, I didn't have to time block. I had nowhere to, I didn't know I didn't have to get home. I could take my time. I get home at 10 o'clock, lay down. It was just me in Miami, right? I just go to sleep. Um, but then when my wife got pregnant in Cleveland, it was like, okay, your, your butt can't be walking in here. At nine, she over here pregnant, you know what I mean? So um, time blocking is huge. Uh, just uh, to point out, though, he did more than just fit his wife and, and daughter into it. He speaks highly and loves them uh, uh, more than just, you know, the fitting oh, them sure. in with the schedule. So oh, I, just, sure. I just wanted to highlight that because yeah. he's a great father and husband. Oh, yeah, no, but you know, as an athlete, it's like... Right. Yeah. It's finding the balance Yeah, it's finding it, right. the balance, right? Like, I, I remember Kobe and... Me and my wife talked about this the other day. Like, I got to actually see Kobe operate when I trained at Stars because we walked in at 5 and he was already there. He's already there. Like, I went to the restroom and he walked out. And I remember, like, oh, shoot, that's Kobe. And me and my friend Asa Jackson went to go talk to him. And he had all the trainers over there. He did – like, he already did, you know, worked on mid-range. He was working on dribbling. He was getting his body worked on. And he was like – he was leaving. We were like, man, where are you going? It's only 7. He's like, I take my daughter to school. And then he come back, and he came back at like 11 or something like that, probably 11 to 12, and then trained again. He got to go pick his daughters up. So, like, me actually seeing that, it's one thing to hear, like, oh, Kobe does this. But when you actually see his schedule, it, like, made it better. You know, it was a, a great um, sh showing to me, right, that, like, okay, this is how I'm going to have to operate. And so not fitting my family in, but time blocking to make sure you get your time in because your kids don't care – if you get two interceptions, shoot, your wife don't care if you get two interceptions. They're going to look back at that time that you, you know, you spent with them. And so I'm even like that today. Like I train kids in the morning and I go do all my real estate stuff, make sure I work out. But then when my daughter has gymnastics, nothing trumps over that. Hmm. I'm there. Ballet, I'm there. You know, even my kids like, hey, coach, can we train at this time? Nope. Train after. I got you for an hour because I got to make it home by dinner. Right. You know, I can't wait to talk to you over the years and you going and watching your daughter's different sporting events, gymnastics, whatever it is, you know, 
I just can't wait to to yeah. just ask you about about it. It's yeah. a, it's a special thing. Yeah, yeah, for sure. How did that go over like initial conversations with your wife about it? Did you, is it one day that you guys from a time blocking standpoint? No, my wife is dope. You know what I mean? Like it's funny cuz my, yeah. my friend Mike Gomes asked me that one day. He was like, "Man, like I think we were in Vegas like, man, how do you just leave?" I'm like, "Man, cuz I take care of home." Hmm. Right? Like my wife, we don't knock on wood, we haven't had those problems because I think a little bit of it is one she's easy going, but then two she's an athlete. So she always understood, like when we were in Boise, she ran track. She went to Chandler High School. And so here, and she was she was good. And so it was like us both doing what we needed to do. And then we would come home, I would do homework. My wife wasn't like a homework person. She would play Call of Duty. And then after, <laughs> but like I had, but yeah. That is, so what? what you're saying is she wears the pants. No, she's just, she's just very much like, she's like, she's like a, you know, she's like, Hey, what he said. hey, babe, a paper got to be due on Friday. I'm the type of person who I bang it out on Monday. Mm. She's the type of person like, I'm going to wait Thursday night. Right? Mm. And so, um, you know, that's the way she go about it, But she knew me. I'm the type of person like, I have to do the things that I have lined up before I can do anything else. And I'm still like that today. Like, if I have a client and we're waiting to put on an offer in, like, I will be at the table when she's putting our daughter down, like, waiting because I'm like, I got to turn this in tonight. And she's like, won't you just come to bed, turn it in in the morning? I'm like, no, but I have to do it tonight, mm-hmm. right? Like, I have to finish this because if I don't, I'm just going to be on my mind, right? And I and I have to see that through. And so she's just very easygoing, and she, under, she understood me, like, where I'm like, hey, I'm going to go do footwork. All right, I'm going to go watch film. Okay, like, I'm not out here doing anything. Like, I'm literally going to go watch film because she knew how much I cared about my craft and how great I wanted to be. And so it just made it easy. Um, so it wasn't any like conversation. It was just me being conscious of that. Like, man, you know, she's out here in Cleveland or in Miami by herself. Um, and she has some friends, so we have some friends who like live next to us, but she didn't come here to hang out with them. She came here to hang out with me, to be with me. So making sure I made, you know, be conscious and made that time to spend with her. And then when we have a daughter, like who wants to be with a toddler all day long? Right. Again, getting that time to like, hey, you go run your errands or go do what you need to do. I'll take little mama or we'll go together and just continue to just have that family time. God damn, JT. Yeah. Fucking making me better right now. I told you, I learned from some good guys, though. I I would say, like, even, like, I learned from Courtland Finnegan that, though. Hmm. I would say. Like, Court knows. I mean, that's my guy. But when we used to watch film, I I remember I tried to leave, and he was like, where are you going? like, I'm going home. Like, we didn't get out. Like, Joe Philbin wasn't letting us out past, you know what I mean, um, no earlier than eight o'clock. He's like, no, we watching film. Well, it was Miami, right? We had some knuckleheads. So I'm gonna make sure you guys are tired. And we watched film, and then I was like, hey man, like got it, start getting excited. When can we watch again? Because like I realized in the game, like shoot, I know a lot. Like, you know, working with this guy, he like a slant is coming. I'm like, I know, I know. Um, but then it came Friday. He's like, ah, oh, nah, fam, haircut date night. Hey man, we watching film on Monday. Ah, oh, now nah, I gotta take the daughters here. And so it was him showing me how to be like a husband and a father. And he has two girls and he was just very conscious of his schedule. And I was like, man, whenever I have a, a wife, um, I want to be just like that. You know, so taking that and, and rolling with it, you know. So I seen Kobe, seen him do it one day, but I seen Cortland do it for, you know, six months. Another consistent theme, right? The Cortland, the vet, mentor. And just to elaborate, I, don't, I feel like, 
as much as you've talked about film, you're not watching film. You're studying yeah. film. It's it's two a, different things. It's a craft in itself of how you watch, like yeah. study film, not yeah. just oh yeah, here's the plays, but it's breaking everything down to its smallest part. Yeah, like I, I somebody asked me the other day. They said, "Did you watch?" I think it was one player. He's like, "Did you watch the quarterbacks Netflix show?" I'm like, "Yeah." He's like, well, who should you have next? I'm like, they need DBs, mm-hmm. right? Or like linebackers. I would love to get like a Bobby Wagner, Fred Warner, um, Levante David, or somebody like that. Why like, not a defensive lineman? Wilbur Marshall. <laughs> right? Somebody like that who can like really, really watch defensive linemen just go. Right? But what like, are you trying to say? <laughs> it's, it's easy. <laughs> Literally. Are you trying to say that you don't have to be smart to play defensive line? Is that what you're saying? You can, but it's like, like, easy. It's like the easiest <laughs> position in the world, right? But I would love to see like those guys break down the, the tape. you got a wide back like you. It, you can block two holes just with that alone. What kind of holes? JT, that's to you. Two in the – I'm just <laughs> <laughs> Sick. <laughs> no, honestly, defensive lineman is probably like – one of the positions, one of the few positions you could play without yeah. really understanding anything. Yeah. I disagree. I'll make jokes about who wears the pants in JT's house, but the size that I am and the speed that I am, I can't make any jokes about football. Like, there's each sport, that's the thing, is on the surface, it looks yeah. pretty fucking simple, right? You throw the ball, you hit the ball. You, you catch the ball, you chase the ball, you run away with the ball, you hit the wall, turn, swim underwater, swim fast. But when you dissect it, these are so much more craft experiences than just the sport itself. And it's like chess or anything else, it can't be perfected. It's like you're one of your greatest critics and worst enemies at the same time, right? Yeah. And how can you how can you leash that chip on your shoulder where it drives you, but it doesn't detract. It's not such, it's such, it's not too much of a motivation that distracts from what you have to do to prepare to play well. Right. So yeah, again, jokes about the pants in JT's house, but not about D Lyman. <laughs> I was just kidding. I can't, I, mean, I love I you brother. I got your back. Thank I you. won't let thank JT you. say that. Yeah, JT just called every D lineman out there an idiot. <laughs> no, I, no, I didn't. I said he did it's, not say that. No, he definitely did. Uh, he definitely did. Hey, look at this example, <laughs> right? Most of those guys run like four, 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 three. They're like six, 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 five. If you can bend and you got good footwork, you know, it's not too many left tackles, right tackles that can keep up with that. Right. Trent Trent Williams, Beast, yeah. right? Some other guys, guy from Green Bay. Uh, Bakatari or whatever his name is, I can't. I don't. I'm Bak- ba- Bakiari. Yeah, Bakiari. I don't botch his name, but he's really good. And some hair. And some other guys, yeah, yeah. right? But when you look at a Chandler Jones or a, a Nick Bosa, and those dudes do one euro step, about time is sacked. That's how you look back, right? Like you get a guy out there, he's out there freaking LeBron in you. Dip that right shoulder or left shoulder, man. That's tough. I just want to point out he used a LeBron reference. Yeah. That's the first time I've heard that. Yeah. I mean, it's not better than Kobe, but. Well. It's just my opinion. So at the end of the day, you're saying defensive linemen are athletic, but not smart. No. (laughs) (laughs) No. (laughs) Nice try. (laughs) I'm only saying this because I am 
a former defensive lineman, and I played with some guys that are freak athletes. Yeah. But fuck, like we we know a few. (laughs) Yeah, we know a few. We we've talked about before. Y'all know a guy. But I do know some smart. I mean, I play with Dominic Sue. Yeah. And shoot, Sue basically ran our defense. I'm and for the longest I was pissed. Cause I'm like, man, who's this guy about? But he was. I mean, rightfully so. He was smart. How he carried himself is still good. I think a young me was pissed because I'm like, how's a D lineman calling our plays? Right. I remember he set us in a meeting in Miami. He was like, hey, some of y'all not gonna be here next year, with the coaches too. Y'all too. I was like, oh, I ain't never heard a player do this, but. The dude knew fronts. He knew what offensive linemen were trying to do in protections, and he always caught the games. And so you got guys like that too, you know, who are just spot on. But we we all, you know, it's it's at every position though. Which I know dudes at DB who freaking don't know left from their right, but they get on that field, they could cover the man in front of them. So Sue is extremely intelligent. Is he as wild as he looks when you watching him on TV? He looks kind of crazy. No, he's cool. You know, he's like. He carries himself. Well. It's just between the lines. He's he's just there for one purpose. Yeah. It's old school football though. Yeah. You know, it started to switch a little bit now, but what you see, I mean, besides stumping on people, but like him throwing people on the ground, like that's what we grew up, you know, the Brian Erlackers of the world and all those guys. Refrigerator Perry. Yeah, like those guys, you know, that's that's what that's what you want in the D line. You know, that's like I say, when you see an offense alignment, I like offense alignment that are mean because I'm like, that's how it's supposed to be. Yes. Now guys yes. want to freaking slap hands with everybody. Freaking it's like it's the softest thing in the world. Shout each, shout each other out on social media. Yeah, that's my dog. I'm trying to I'm trying to kill you on Sundays, right? That's so. true. <laughs> no, that's true. I get it. Hmm. You mentioned Corlin Finnegan. Yep. Um would you say he was a mentor? Yep. What other I mean I'm pretty sure you have a lot of mentors what's one that you haven't mentioned so far football wise I would say uh shoot Brent Grimes Tremont Williams who was a corner um shoot Joe Hayden I, I was blessed to play with some guys man um I think they wouldn't know this but like Bobby Wagner and KJ Wright you know Bobby's only a year older than me but just how they carried themselves um KJ's older than me, but how they carried themselves in Seattle. You know, the way I seen Larry Fitz conduct his business here, because a lot of the misconception is like you can't play football and do other things. And I seen Larry, older Larry, but still go out and catch eight balls a game and come in and, you know, he's going to go meet the owner to the Suns because he's probably about to, you know, buy a stake in the Suns. So, um, you know, I would say those guys specifically all help shape the person I am because I just take a little pages out of their book that I like and I put it in mine. What what specific qualities do these individuals have in common? I think they're, again, all accountable, mm-hmm. all honest. If you talk to any one of these guys, they're really, really honest. Um, good, Just good guys, all have good integrity, and they all have a specific type of, type of focus. Right, like from a, even a family life. I if I tell you to go look at court, and go look at um, Tremont Williams, and go look at Joe Hayden, like Instagram, or whatever, you're gonna see like big family guys, 
huge family guys, first and foremost. Like, I think I see, we see Joey with his kids all the time. Tremont, you always see him with little Tremont all the time. Like, and so Cortland, he's kind of like, he'll post and then he won't, but like, you know, like, that's what he's doing. And so Bobby doesn't have, Bobby's not married, but KJ, same thing. So it's like, I think when you look at those guys, they're just big, you know, they handle their business on and off the field because they're all beasts. Um, they were all really, really smart on the field as well. I think in terms of like going against the opponent, but then they're all huge, just, you know, family guys, integrity guys, good guys. Jason McCourty, forgot. I don't want to forget about Jason McCourty. He probably killed me, but another guy who played with me in Cleveland. So, yeah. Did, was there a distinguishing physical characteristic that you could tell the twins apart? <laughs> um, I think D-Max, J-Max J, J a little skinnier, but they both look like mannequins. Uh, they don't prefer skinny. I've, I've been told it's lean. Oh, well. If, I only uh, used the word skinny in this building one time, never yeah. again. They both, like I told them, they both look like mannequins. So, like, like, like the, <laughs> like the Under Armour mannequins, like yeah. the oversized ones, or like a regular, like J.C. Penny mannequin. Oh Ew. no, Under Armour. Under Armour. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Those yeah. things are yeah. fucking huge. Yeah, yeah. The McCordys are huge. I yeah, never yeah. J.C. Penny a McCordy. Yeah, I used to just walk, walk by them and go on his head they are very they're very professional yeah those are my guys yeah really good guys those are some of the first guys that i heard talk about their foundations more consistently yeah um and family and all those other things that you've been discussing yeah in in your career when did you feel the most self-doubt and what practice practices help you overcome them i think two um, two times. It happened to me twice. I think my first two years in Miami, because I was coming off a hernia, and I kept rushing back over and over. Because they were like, you're a second-round pick. You got to play. You got to play. You got to play. And I remember Brent Grimes told me, it was like, him and Danielle Ellerby was like, you don't have to play. You're a second-round pick. You're not going anywhere. And if they, even if you do go somewhere, it's going to be somewhere that wants you. So I had a lot of self-doubt back then, though. I didn't like football. I didn't want to play. Um... I like the coaching staff. I felt like you know, a lot of that stuff, if it wasn't for Cortland, I probably wouldn't have known the playbook in and out. I was studying, but you only know what you know until, like, to them shifts in motion start going, right? Then it's like, you know, like, I know it, but then they start in the field, you're like, oh, shoot. <laughs> I thought I knew it. And so um, I would say that's that first year would probably be the biggest self-doubt I had because I was slower. I couldn't shuffle without, like, scar tissue popping. Um, I got a little chubbier and I was eating healthy, but it was just from the, that I was just lifting and eating, you know? So I would say then, um, and then the other time is when I played in, with the Cardinals, like I was driving from Cave Creek to Chandler. A lot of people don't know this. I was driving all the way down there. My wife just had my daughter. We didn't do, you know, we're old school. We didn't do nannies. My mom came out, her mom came out, but it was us, and I slept in the guest room all the way across the other side of the house, but I was still daddy instinct kick in, wake up. And we just, I mean, we were terrible. I mean, Steve Wilkes, terrible, and Al Holcomb was terrible. Um, I mean, I think, no, we'll I, that I mean, Steve Wilkes, I think, is a really good DB coach. I think head coach-wise, I think he got some bad some bad cards, right? Kime got in trouble for drinking, and... We had Al Holcomb, who was his friend, who was a defense coordinator. And so if you ask anybody, we ran cover four all camp. And then when we got to the to the season, we ran cover three. And it was just adjustment. Like me and Pat, I would say, is more press corners than anything. And we didn't even play. 
mean, dude, like we went, we didn't, we didn't play man all like besides maybe a little bit of third now. And then when we got to the season, it was covered three and like man. And so it was, you know, probably sounds like excuse, but it was a lot of like reteaching and having to get those reps in and getting with Sully and like just getting back. So I had a lot of self doubt even when I, I mean when I walked up there and told them to cut me, I was kind of betting on myself. But I was like, man, what the frick is just not fun. Um, but what I would say what helped me was going back and looking at my tape and then Drake always says or he had a line I keep referring to Drake Drake got so many lines right but it's he, only twice but he said uh <laughs> you know it's real when you are who you think you are and so like I just kept thinking like when I watched the tape I'm like I'm exactly who like I know who I am and I remember when I got released from the Cardinals I went to the Broncos and I bought we had like two games I got kicked out of a game for they said I pushed Push the guy, he flopped. But other than Isn't that, that called a tackle. <laughs> but I had, but I had like two forced fumbles, like three PBUs, and it was like playing in a system that I played in in Cleveland, and it was just like, okay, you are. And then even leaving Miami, going to Cleveland and signing for a three year and leading the team in interceptions, it was like, okay, you are who you think you are. And so I've always just been able to, you know, in Miami, I felt like it was kind of like loss, and then that hit me. And then when I got to Arizona, I was like, okay, I've been here before, right? I'm not going to be one of those guys who get paid and just you're just going to see less play. It was like, no, like you are who you are. And so when I went to the Broncos, I was that guy. When I went to the Seattle Seahawks, we only played linebackers until third and seven plus. So I didn't, I didn't get all the reps. But when I look at like my teammates and the respect I get from everybody, I think it's because I made plays. They knew I was, you know, smart. I could play ball. Um, I was going to be where I needed to be. And the same thing happened in, with the Niners. So I think if you're having any self-doubt to any younger athlete, it's, you know, stand on who you are. And so in my career, that's what I stood on. Even when I asked to be cut, it was like I knew because I knew who I was. I wouldn't tell you to go tell the team you got cut, you know, to cut you unless you got a little leverage. But uh, I knew teams would be calling just because, you know, the communication between my agent and I. Coach Few, I'm – Fortunate enough to introduce myself to him, uh, myself to him a couple weekends ago. I just asked a simple question. I didn't want to hold up his time. What advice would you give a young coach? And he just took him a second and he said, "You know what? Just be yourself. Mm -hmm. So trust in who you are, the work you put in, and then that gets you the respect from your teammates and your everybody else." Yeah. I mean, even like. LeBron says that, like, I'd rather be another LeBron reference, but, like, I'd rather leave myself than be somebody else. And I remember when I heard that, I'm like, you know what, you're right. Like, I'm trying to conform to what everybody else wants me to do and be this robot. And Greg Williams from the um, from Cleveland, he's always be like, I don't want people to be robots. And I used to be like, man, but you're teaching us how to be robots. And But it was like, okay, you know what, I know how to play ball. I've been doing this for a long time. Like, just stand on that. Stand on the work that we put in here with you guys. Stand on the work that I put in with Sully. Right? Stand on the work that I put in when I'm with my, all my DB guys and we crafting. And if I do that, then I know I'll be okay. And so once I got back to that, every time like doubt creeped in, it just creeped right back out because I was like, all right, yeah, I'm good. Quick side note. Talking about coaches, I know you loved your Boise coach. Mm -hmm. Chris, yep, Pete. One minute. Why? <laughs> um, Coach Pete is a leader of men, I would say. Um, I take a lot of his 
stuff, not only in my life, but in my, with my nonprofit, just it's bigger than football. He used to always say that it's bigger than football. I'm here to raise man. You have to have guys leave you better than you found them. And so he did that by, he was a big integrity guy. We had a pyramid and I, I made a pyramid for myself at home and I made one with first chance you as well, like your foundation pyramid. And so you have your levels all the way to the top and like the end goal. And so, you know, at the bottom of my pyramid, again, it's integrity, it's honesty, honesty it's accountability, um, it's hard work, right? It's perseverance. And then you kind of go from there. And so Pete taught us that and he stood by that. And it was so much as like, if I walk past you guys, I'm never gonna walk by without saying hi. I'm never gonna not ask you how your family's gonna do. If we're walking in the door, I'm gonna hold the door open. It's little things. If you see paper, pick it up. And so just like little things like that, he just taught me how to be a man, right? Like if we get into it, like me and my wife, I'm like, cause sometimes her family come in, they won't speak. Y'all know how it is. And I, and I say it cause she knows, but I'm like, you don't do that. Right. And, but the reason why, not only do I know that from my family, but I know that from Pete, when you walk in, you say hi to everybody. And so it's just little things to learn how to be a good, a good, a good human being. And that's why I love Pete. And he's always the same. He's made, a ton of money, he's been crazy successful, but if I call him right now, he'll pick up the phone. Now he's probably on the lake, right? Freaking drinking coffee, looking at bald eagles fly by, but he always picks up though, always, you know? So shout out to Coach Pete. Thanks for sharing. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty incredible. Yeah, he's a great guy. Actually, I gotta send him my 12 month calendar cause he's for sure coming next year. And so I, I have him at first chance you. DB, DB Academy next year. This is Charleston's idea, but you read a book, you watch a documentary, listen to a podcast, and there's these plans for getting better and improving and everything, and it seems like, oh, you have to put all this work in to see anything come out of it. What's one small victory, and the example I used is uh, that book, Make Your Bed. If you make your bed every morning, that's the first victory of a day. What's one little thing that somebody can do every day for that first win of the day or victory every day? Hmm. First victory of the day. I think it's a couple things, but I would say if you woke up, that's a victory in itself. Right? I think that's, that's, that's not ever looked at. Like some people don't even wake up in the morning, you know, or when they wake up, it's not pleasing wherever they wake up. So um, I think that and then shoot um shoot eating i would say eating or however people go about their day like for me i read in the morning um and i kind of pray and you know thank god but um so some people could just be food because not everybody can eat food either right so i think we just got to be grateful for for anything and everything that's that's thrown our way that could be a you know you could see as a win you know um i think for me especially when I tore my ACL win for me was just being able to walk, you know? So being able to get up and actually walk like that was when, so I just don't take stuff like that for granted anymore. I think one quality that I really respect about you and this term comes up to my head is that everybody eats. Uh -huh. Everybody. Everybody in your circle, you make sure that they're taken care of. Um, and, and there's, you know, just the conversations that we've had, <clears throat> during your rehab and training process and the life stuff, the, you know, the coaches, the, what are GM saying, what's your agent saying, your friends, 
you know, at the end of the day, you make sure the people in your circle are taken care of and fed. And that's something that I truly, truly respect out of you. So thank you. Yeah, I appreciate you guys. Hell yeah. Yeah. Cheers, motherfucker. Shout out to the podcast, man. Happy for you guys. It's huge. Thank you. Is there anybody that you want to shout out that you haven't and and give them their flowers, you know? And, you know, what are we currently working on? What are you currently working on? Uh, and, and that's your platform to explain first chance you. Yeah. And we blocked out till five, so take as much time as you want. <laughs> yeah, nah. I got my better get home. We got to go see Elementos. Well, you got a lot. Of, you got a lot of good stuff going on. I just want to yeah. make sure you cover it all. No, no. Um, it's funny because you gave me that book, the one thing. So, like, a lot of my stuff, I'm narrowing down, and I'm, I'm, um, I'm trying to delegate mm. things to people. Right. Right. Um, and if it doesn't fit, I'm just taking it out. Some things I just don't want to do, but. As far as people shouting out people, I'll say, you know, uh, my wife, obviously, you know, cause she's the backbone of the family. Um, she's the, she was, she's the, she's the brains. I'm the heartbeat, right? If we had to really think of like a human body. So her, my daughter, um, those two, I mean, they, they give me, I, like, I'm excited every morning, even with being done playing. Like I miss playing. Um, I don't think I've mourned over it just yet. I think at some point I will, but having them two by my side, like I'm really, really excited every morning. Um, my parents, my brother, my little brother, um, Torian, and then, you know, just my friends or whoever else has been a part of my life. You know, I think it's too many people to name. Um, and I don't want to miss out on nobody where somebody's like, if they ever hear, you know, they hear and they like, you forgot about me. I just think everybody, whether you've been a trainer, uh, a nutritionist, a, a friend, a, a colleague, you know, if we had any conversation, like I appreciate, genuinely appreciate everybody because I'm the type of guy where my, I see my, a lot of this in my daughter. I pay attention a ton and I think like sometimes conversation can happen and you don't necessarily think I'm paying attention, but like I'm paying attention, right? And I'm hearing you and, you know, trying to work it out in my mind of, man, if it's good, like how can I fit that in, right? So shout out everybody from, you know, the... TJ Carries to the Logan Ryans to the Sullys to Ben Morrison's, right? Whoever's had some type of impact in my life, um, you guys, you know, Fish, you know, I'm I'm appreciative of everybody. So, so yeah, so shout out to all those people and, you know, what I'm working on right now. I'm just again, I'm just trying to be the best husband father I could be, um, get this transmission fixed. <laughs> uh, but no, um, trying to be a hell of a developer. Right. I think that's I think it's a we have the market for it here. I think PV will look like Rodale Drive here soon. Scottsdale will, too, with the Ritz Carlton and uh, coming in the Fendi Plaza and all of that stuff. So I'm trying to get in and I'm trying to build some awesome things so we can sell some awesome things. Uh, I'm just working. Also, other than that, uh, you know, trying to be the best real estate agent for right now. Um to build that brand up before I do my other adventure, which I haven't really talked much about and I'm not going to really throw that in there. So, uh, and then other than that, yeah, man, first chance you first chance you is, you know, we Jamar Taylor, first chance you foundation, we give back, um, and to give back through growth opportunities, education and sport in the fall, we'll start sponsoring families, um, as well, which we sponsor them until quarter two next year. 
and then we have our defensive back camp um, that we do with we did 21 athletes this year last day we opened up the 30 um we'll do probably 25 kids this next year and open it up to about 35 on the last day but uh we did financial literacy this year we did yoga we did we had um the head coach from san mateo come and number one jc they won a national championship last year he came and talked to the guys about recruiting um, we did NIL talks. We did mental health talks as well to give them an outlet to go to um, at their schools or wherever they're from because we had kids from out of state as well. So, yeah, so that's that's like the bread and butter of kind of what I'm doing, the three things or the four things counting, the, you know, the family. Um, and that's it, man, you know, trying to enjoy retirement a little bit. I'm going to go check out some games this year I'm excited about. So... Yeah. I mean, even during the Corona time, you had a whole mentorship, a Zoom mentorship that mm -hmm. you invited my daughter to. And just like anything else you do, it was professional, right? You had the expectations set, which that is what a, a coach, leader, mentor does. There's expectations, there's accountability to it. But even with the Corona time, you still had the Zoom meetings and, and everything was done classic JT style. So I didn't. I wanted to make sure we didn't forget that, right? Oh, yeah. It's the consistency of it, and the biggest thing is your heart is behind it. And you've talked about it before, the intention of it, right? There's honesty. There's integrity behind it. We've already talked about the accountability. And if everybody listening has understood what family means, you know, you treat these kids just the same as you do your own family. So keep doing what you're doing. A lot yeah. of good things. These kids are going to remember this, and they're going to carry it with them for the rest of their lives. I train kids right now. Yeah. Um, just been up in my neighborhood, though. You yeah. know, like I think for me, the one thing moving with that is, you know, I'm I'm kind of thankful fall is coming up because now they can go play. Yeah, uh, they go play and it gives me more time to kind of, you know, continue to go vertical with what I'm doing. But yes, yeah, so I train kids. We do all ages. Um, but what I'm gonna do moving forward is I'm gonna just group kids, no private sessions. I've gotten asked to, hey, come coach high schools. I won't coach high schools. I look at like the mentor stuff as just being a small piece, um, even training kids. I'm just a small piece. Like, you know, it even started for me, one of the kids like knocked on my door and it was like, I can't tell him no. Um, at least up there, you know, besides being asked to me, can I train him? Um, so I even told him the other day, he's like, oh, JT, becoming a coach? Like, no, 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 no. If you want to get coached, Chill. yeah, if you want to get coached, I'm here. Um, I give out my day, but I only want to work with people who actually want to get coached, who actually want to get better. Um, it's not my way or no, uh, uh, my way or the highway. It's more like a collaboration of just trying to get you better. And again, being that small piece, I don't want glory or fame for you making plays. I just, you know, I just want to get a game back a little bit and go home and kick it, you know. So um, I don't think it would become anything bigger than what it what it is at the moment. Maybe. No. Maybe. Zero chance. <laughs> so where can people find out more? Like if, if for every piece, right? So when it comes to realty, um, where can they reach out to you or where can they find you? Um, you can reach me on, I'm trying to think of my Instagram name. It's easy. But it's uh, just Jamar, J-A-M-A-R, Taylor, T-A-Y-L-O-R, underscore, S-D, um, or Jamar Taylor underscore EXP. You can find everything on there from, I mean, they're kind of like similar at this point, which I know they shouldn't be, but 
I kind of just work off both accounts um, where you'll find real estate, first chance shoe highlights, which we'll be dropping our video Monday for the camp that we just did. Um, and yeah, any any developmental things, any tips, you know, I got TikTok. You can look me up on there. Um, I don't have to. Do you Twitter. do cool dances? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> what, I don't, I don't, what's your favorite dance? Uh, hmm? So what? Favorite what? Pair dance? Yeah. Two seven. I'm all. I'm a two stepper all the way, baby. Hell yeah. That's it. So yeah. So you find me on there, LinkedIn, uh, Facebook, anywhere, any social media platform besides Twitter, because I don't. I don't do Twitter. Threads. Don't do that either. I think it just takes up too much of your time. True. <laughs> That's fucking true. Um. Okay. Now. First chance, you. Oh, first chance, you. You can you can go check our stuff out at. First chance you underscore on Instagram. I want to say it's the same on LinkedIn. And then if you want to go check out our website, it's firstchanceyou.org. Is there a YouTube channel? We do. We have not updated it oh. as much though. So. And your DB training just via DB. DM on. Knock Instagram. on his door. What's your address? <laughs> yeah, D DB training. Yeah, just just reach out to me. Um, but fair warning, you do have to drive to me because. I live pretty far. <laughs> That's fair. Yeah. What would you tell your 18-year-old self? 18-year-old self, um, I would tell him I'm proud of him. Yeah. You know, everything I put my mind to, I've done so far. So, you know, I would tell him I'm proud of him. Don't, don't second-guess yourself. What would you tell your 22-year-old self? Um, be patient probably because I think those years you're not patient as much so be patient and um, I've been this quote has just been sticking with me a lot lately but how you do one thing is how you do everything so just always remember that you know people remember you how you treat them um, how you go about your business and if you can if you can just go 100% at that and treat people right and do right and work really hard you'll be fine i love you dog yeah love i you. love everything Appreciate you do it. i love your work ethic i love how you show up to sam every day nothing but respect i love how you love your family i love how you understand and are grateful for where you came from and uh, i learn from you every time i see you likewise likewise jay <laughs> T. All right, you dirty dogs. That's a wrap. Thank you again for tuning in. If you can do us a favor and follow us on Instagram at the T-H-E-E Outliers Podcast. Subscribe and follow Spotify, Apple Podcasts, uh, whatever floats your boat, you know. Uh, tell a friend. would greatly appreciate it. It's love. Always. Peace.